AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Uh, uh, uh. We waiting on reparations. Hurry, You're listening hurry, to Waiting on Reparations, a hurry, production of iHeartRadio. Hurry up. All I hear is nigga this, nigga that. I telling everybody at the bowling alley where my niggas at. Everybody know they got their triggers grass. I actually need to worry about that than putting us in prison for smoking grass. Lockdown with a sentence that'll last long. And they don't want me saying the N-word in my rap song. Niggas want to censor me. Put me in the penitentiary. Lock me in a box and put me there for centuries. Then when I get mad, they'll be like, yo, that nigga's menacing. Stick my middle finger up at every racist entity. Ah, uh, knock out your white teeth. Hey, white teeth, if you come up against me with your little white sheet on your head like you was acting all nightly, trying to say the N-word, I'm probably gonna spike me. I'll just spike you in the face like my name was Spike Lee. And if it's Spike Lee, you better go and do the right thing. You say the wrong shit around me, know what it might bring. And you're the fighting, motherfucker, it's exciting. It's like a fucking stick of dynamite and you igniting. Uh. <laughs> Hey, what's up? My name is Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Hurry up. We are here another week. Fresh air to breathe. For now. For now. Well, last week, I just started teaching my hip-hop and public policy class. Oh, shit. Shout out Walker Swain. If the uh, education... What department is he in? Walker oh, Swain. Oh, wow, that's just, a shout out right there. Yeah, I fucked it up. <laughs> My co-teacher. So uh, tomorrow we have our second day of class and we're talking about Ta-Nehisi Coates' case for reparations. Oh, word. And analyzing it for the different public policies that come up 
in it as well, and doing that same kind of analysis on most of's mathematics. Okay, word. Sort word. of like look at something that's more of a policy brief and an argument, something that's more just like hip hop CNN coverage of like life in the streets and the way that public policy manifests in both of those texts. The class is only an hour long, so that'll be probably the whole class. But still, yo, we're gonna have to. We gotta. We gotta go into that. Yeah, a we bit should bring more. Walker on the show. We should. Uh, I'm looking forward to like bringing in some of my students' perspectives into future episodes word, to see word, the kind word. of things that they say. They're freshmen though; they're little babies, so maybe they'll ha- won't really have anything insightful to say. But. <laughs> you never know. Okay, so we had the two conventions, and we've had the media coverage that follows, and the different shifts in the poll numbers and stuff like that. One of the interesting shifts in polling that kind of caught my eye was I noticed that in recent weeks that uh, the soaring high approval numbers that uh, Black Lives Matter had is kind of leveled out to being something a bit more realistic. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that? The thing about these poll numbers with regards to support for BLM, you have to look back historically at how unpopular things like integration of schools was at the time. Oh, yeah, like no, the free, for sure, you know, for sure. Like, it's, it, it doesn't require... Like, I think people need to let go but of I'm this talking, idea of... I'm talking more about now, like, in the moment, because the people who are already against it are already, like, manipulating imagery and stuff to paint the protest as something that it's not or to paint the rioting as being more a part of the protest than it is. Do you think there's, like, a risk of protest fatigue and it backfiring? I mean, if it weren't footage of the protest, it would be footage it would be footage from literal world star like of black people beating the shit out of each other and beating the shit about. out of white kids that they would use to stoke those racial fears that have always been there anyway. So I really feel like we'd be at this point regardless. No, I feel you on that. That's for sure. So, um, today's episode is going to be part two an ongoing series that we started at the beginning of this show called That's, That's Racist. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the most controversial words around and most used depending on, you know, where you're at. Yes, party people, I'm talking about the N-word. You mean nigga? Or at least it's hard our cousin. We're going to talk about how it's managed to stick around for so long and as well as explore its prevalence in hip-hop music. Yeah, and then we'll try to see what type of commentary rappers have made of, on it in music as well. What you, what's your experience with the word? You know, besides using it in rap songs and uh, shit. I have, haven't been called, like, a nigger by, like, a white person mm-hmm. outside the context of the internet uh, in a long time. Not since I was, like, a kid, I feel like. What were the contexts in, in which you were, like, how, how like did it happen? Like, in elementary school, like... This white kid, like, refused to hold the door open for me or something. Yeah. And then, like, called me a nigger, like, as he, like, slammed the door in my face. And, well, well, I mean, what was the aftermath? I mean, he got in trouble. He got taken to the principal's office and shit and, like, talking to. But I still had to stay. I was, like, in fifth grade class with him for the rest of the year, you know? Like, he was still around. Yeah, I have a similar story. I mean, when I was, uh, I want to say in third grade, when the Malcolm X movie had just come out, you know, motherfucker was going to school wearing the cap and the sweater that had the X on it. And that was probably the first time that I had a bunch of, heard a bunch of white kids say it to me there. As far as the internet shit goes and comment sections, I'm pretty sure I've have been or get called a nigga in comment sections. But, you know, I, I don't really 
I don't know. I just don't consider, in terms of what we're talking about, I'm not really considering like the virtual world of the internet and social media. But like, my father didn't really use the word that much, mm-hmm. or even with his friends. And my mom's African, so like, she didn't even really hear that shit until she came to the states. So it was something that I got exclusively from listening to rap music and shit, and being in these international schools for you know. People who live overseas and shit, like nine times out of ten, I was the only black kid or one of the only black kids in school. So it wasn't until I graduated high school and went to Howard University that I was around other black folk and started hearing it more and incorporated it into how I spoke and shit. How, like, what's your usage of it? Is it something that you only use in your rap? Because you use it very sparingly in your rap songs. Like, I use it very sparingly in my rap songs. I have occasionally accidentally used it in front of white people, like when I'm only with white people, and then yeah. like felt really embarrassed and bad. In what sense? That's interesting. Like, like, like I'm trying to remember. So I was in Charleston right before the pandemic hit. I was hanging out with my friends, Chris and Elliot. And something happened. We were at the hotel, like drinking and laughing. And at some point I said something like, nigga, what? And then like I stopped and I realized who I was with, like a bunch of these like, you know, like gnarly white dudes, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh shit, <laughs> oh shit." Because I don't like, I don't know. It's just weird. Well, I mean, like you. Most, I didn't mean to. I, was, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. It just slips out sometimes. I mean, most of my white friends are like hip hop heads and people who rap. So I don't know. There's a certain when I say it in front of them. There's like a certain level of it not even being an issue because everybody there knows what's up so nobody's thinking oh it's cool say nigga that you know it's like no one is getting it twisted and they just understand that i don't know i don't even i'm not even really that conscious of it now i mean it really literally is some i say it the same way i would say dude no totally you know yeah, yeah yeah believed to have come about in the 18th century as an adaptation of the spanish word negro which was itself a descendant of the Latin adjective N-I-G-E-R, which means black. Um, by the mid-20th century, especially in the United States, it's come to, as we know, be considered a racial insult. And as such, its acceptance in popular culture, especially by non-black people, has faded. Its original English language usage, it was a word for dark-skinned individual. The earliest known published use of the term dates back to 1574 in a work alluding to the N-I-G-E-Rs of the Ethiop, bearing witness. According to the Oxford's English Dictionary, uh, the first derogatory usage of the term wasn't recorded until 200 years later in 1775. In the colonial America of 1619, one of the earliest English settlers of North America, John Rolfe, used any G-A-R-S in describing African slaves shipped to the Virginia colony. In the 1800s to 1840s in the western U.S. during the fur trade, it was spelled N-I-G-G-U-R, and it was common in literature at the time. It was recorded in the Mountain Man lexicon by British explorer George Frederick Ruxton, and apparently it didn't have any pejorative connotation back then. Um, N-I-G-G-U-R was evidently similar to the modern use of the term dude or guy. So it's kind of similar to how it operates now, only it was used by white people. So it's like as full well as, yeah. <laughs> um, this passage from Ruxton's Life in the Far West illustrates how the word was used in spoken form. Uh, the speaker is uh, referring to himself here. He says, <laughs> I'm going to try to do this. Traveler, marm, 
This nigger's no traveler. I R trapper marm a mountain man. Wah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, um, didn't so age well. 1840s. Mountain men, you know, use it. They, they didn't use it in this period exclusively for black people. They also used it for Indians, Mexicans, Frenchmen. Anglos. Oh, yeah. yeah, anyone could be an N I G D U I. Um, the noun slipped back and forth between derogatory and endearing. Saying colored and Negro became more respectful al- alternatives with time. For example, in the 1850s, abolitionist organizations posted warnings to colored people of Boston. You are respectfully cautioned to avoid conversing with watchmen and police officers of Boston. Journalist Clifton Johnson documented in 1904 how it was used in the South specifically because it was more offensive than colored or Negro. The letter Niggers in the White House was a poem published in newspapers all over the country for three years from 1901 to 1903 in reaction to the White House dinner that was hosted by Theodore Roosevelt, who had invited Booker T. Washington at the time. Um, It reminds me kind of how Fox News reacted when Obama invited Common to the White House. Oh, yeah. Like they were, I mean, they were going crazy for a little bit. They're like, have you heard this song? This song about Asada, right? And they were all like losing their shit in it. In the book, Bury That Sucker, A Scandalous Love Affair with the N-Word by H. Lewis Smith, he writes that replacing the E-R with A changes nothing other than the pronunciation. The African-American registry notes that brother, brother, sister, sister, are terms of endearment. Nigger was still a word of disrespect. And the NAACP as well has condemned the use of both N-I-G-G-A and N-I-G-G-E-R. Some early documentation of the word not used in a pejorative fashion amongst black people was in 1912 in the book The Autobiography of an Ex-Colored Man by James Weldon Johnson, who we, he could have his own episode. He's like some biracial guy who had like this old... Yeah, yeah we'll definitely get into had, him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, he uh, recounted in a scene from the book when he was in New York City at the time, he goes, I notice among this class of colored men the word... Nigger was freely used in about the same sense as the word fellow, and sometimes as a term of endearment. But I soon learned its use was positively and absolutely prohibited to white men. So that was as early as 1912 that this was documented, a documented cultural practice of it being used frequently among African Americans, but prohibited among whites. Surveys from 2006 show that nearly half of whites and two-thirds of blacks knew someone personally who referred to blacks by the term. And that was 2006. Yeah. So, like... Some cultural elements of it. So, the implied racism of the word has rendered its use taboo for the most part. So, like, you won't see it in magazines and newspapers generally. And if you're watching TV, you're more likely to hear the word ass then you actually hear the the word nigger and it's going to be censored regardless of its usage in most cases, in most cases. It's been controversial in its use in um, literature for a long time. The most notable and lasting controversies being the words used in Mark Twain's novel Adventures of Huckleberry Finn as well as To Kill a Mockingbird. The film Trouble, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn There's an interview with this English teacher named Nancy Mathelis of the Boston Latin School, and she explains why she doesn't use the word in class. She says, Words are amongst the most powerful things there are. A grown-up, middle-aged white woman using that word gives another level of meaning than a 15-year-old African-American student. 
I think I could hurt students by using it, and I don't feel that my minority students want to hear their white peers use the word either. And if it turns out that we're sacrificing a little academic rigor in service of not adding to anyone's pain, maybe that's okay. Yeah, I mean, like having a frank dialogue about the way the word makes us all feel, I think as a component of like an English language arts class like this or something like that is appropriate. I think I gauge different people's comfort because I try to tell especially like white people, well, I guess exclusively white people all the time, but it's like I might feel comfortable with like people saying that word in certain circumstances, but I can't speak for all black people. I can't say that as, as you know, the black person, Yeah, like this is how we all feel about it. And it's really about gauging um, a person's individual comfort. Because um, I know some, I mean, I know some brothers that don't care at all who uses it at all. Yeah, no, I'm never comfortable with speaking, like, my individual feelings on a subject is, like, what everybody else who looks like me thinks, you know? <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So Langston Hughes once said, use rightly or wrongly, ironically or seriously, of necessity for the sake of realism or impishly for the sake of comedy, it doesn't matter. Negroes do not like it in any book or any play whatsoever, be the book or play ever so sympathetic in its treatment of the basic problems of the race. Even though the book or play is written by a Negro, they still do not like it. 
The word nigger, you see, sums up for us who are colored all the bitter years of insult and struggle in America. See, that's the shit I don't like. Mm, me too. How can you be like, they don't like it? Like, who is they? Who are you? I mean, like, Langston Hughes, I ain't trying to start shit with you. R.I.P., <laughs> bruh. But, like, don't speak for me. I wasn't even born yet, nigga. Like, damn. <laughs> well, in all fairness, he definitely came up in a time where no white person who was saying it was saying it because their favorite Drake song has the word in it. You know what I mean? So just in that context, he's probably a bit more uptight about the word's usage. I mean, let's let's not get it twisted. And this is totally pulling numbers out of my ass, but I would wager that like 95% of black people in America don't fuck with white people using the word in any context. That would just be my hunch. When giving a reason for refusal to go into the Vietnam War, Muhammad Ali once said, no Viet Cong ever called me nigger. And that's that good-ass internationalist <laughs> shit. Looking at, like, just oppression of the working class all around the world, how you need to unite and take down the white supremacists. But there goes shit. the... That's, like, the, I guess the whole point of what he's saying is especially... You know, in context of the time, it's like you got you want me to go over there and shoot some some brown and yellow men, but y'all aren't letting me fucking right on the and we gotta fight for equality here. So fuck that. Oh shit, this is an interesting thing that I found too. Check this out. In February of 2007, the New York City Council symbolically banned the use of the word. However, there is no penalty for using it. The formal resolution also requests excluding from Grammy consideration every song whose lyrics contain the word. However, Ron Roker, the vice president of communications for the Recording Academy, doubted it would have any real effect on actual nominations. And that actually, something similar with regards to awards and stuff happened to me, I think, in 2018. I was passed over. I was a finalist for the songwriting award, but, but the panel was uncomfortable that I used the word nigger in my song. You know, soft day, but whatever. Um, Cause they, they thought they thought it, I guess, detracted from its like literary merit because it's like bass and it made people uncomfortable. And see, I mean, ground, see, I, see, okay, this is where this is how I would stand on it, right? If they passed you up or excluded you because they're like, "Yo, we don't fuck with that word," it's just, you know what I'm saying? On on some, even if we, if like someone like me would want to like judge and be like, "Oh, that's like some fake moral stance or whatever," but if it's like, "Hey, we don't want to use this word." And we don't want to... It's just like, you know, we're, we're anti this word. Then be anti that word. But don't make shit up like the use of this word affects something's literary or, you know, artistic merit and shit like that. That's all... Like, that's your opinion, man. You know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, there was a Kendrick Lamar concert. And he brought a white girl up from stage to come and sing some words to the song Mad City with him and she did not stop herself from saying the n-word <laughs> it was this whole thing where like they stopped the music and you know he put her on blast and I mean it wasn't really like a mean putting her on blast but it was definitely like hey you know yeah it just seemed really kind of like staged but whatever and it's like now you fast forward two years later and it's like I feel like if it really happened that that girl probably would have been speaking at the RNC like on some anti-cancel culture shit that time that I got canceled at the Kendrick Lamar concert and I haven't heard anything else from her but just in general the whole 
conversation of white people hearing it in songs and singing along with it or not. I'm pretty sure that every white person in that stadium when they were doing that shit was rapping that word along up until that point. She got the ire yeah, exactly. until because she was in the spotlight. Yeah. And I mean, Kendrick Lamar's uh, own label mate, uh, Schoolboy Q, actually has a complete opposite stance where he actually encourages motherfuckers at his show to like rap the, the shit along. That's like, so interesting to me. He, he, he does specify like use it here in this space and in this context and not so that they don't use it on the street or something like that. That's the but rationale they, they, that he's given for it. But, but could it give him the wrong idea? It's like, oh, well, let's yeah. go. My black friend, Schoolboy Q, said I could. <laughs> um, BBC Extra's DJ Sideman actually quit his job over a report where they used the word in a quote. It was reporting on a uh, hate crime that had happened, and I guess the family of the victim wanted them to say what was said to the victim before right. the, the crime was done. You know, the same way that Emma Till's mama had an open casket funeral. Exactly. It's like, if y'all are going to fucking do this shit to us, you ought to see it. You ought to see it, and it's full horror. Now... It did end up being a white reporter that they had say it. But, I mean, if I worked at BBC and I'm just in my office in my cubicle doing my shit and somebody walks in and is like, yo, we got this report where we need somebody to say nigga and we thought you'd be the perfect guy for the job. That might make me feel some kind of way, you know? I mean, I guess it depends on so many dynamics that they encounter in the workplace. Like, if I if were there a- some racist motherfuckers that are like... Hey, Sambo, like, I mean, that's, what, read this that's for what I'm me. thinking. Like, if they're already, like, if they're, like, you know, something smells funny when the, you walk in the coffee break room <laughs> and, like, your whole, like, microaggressions, you know, like, abound in your everyday experience, that might be the tipping point for me. Uh, per an article in The Undefeated by Brando Simeo Starkey, he says that white folk indoctrinated them into accepting their supposed inferiority. These narratives illustrate the success of the campaign of mental terrorism and no word conveyed the depth of this internalized oppression more than nigger. Black folk rescued the word from the smoldering debris of a virulently racist land, reclaimed it, and renovated the slur into a celebration of black camaraderie. Defenders of contemporary usage of nigger repeat this. When this tale collides with reality, however, it shatters as a misreading of history. The current use of the word is owed less to white folk calling black folk nigger and more to black folk who thought they were niggers and said so. Black people have hurled the infamous word for nearly as long as white folk have. It exists within black speech now because it existed within black speech then. I think we talked about a little bit earlier. The uncomfortable truth must be confronted. Absent the internalized oppression of those who called white men and black, uh, white men and women their masters, nigger would probably not be part of black folks' lexicon. We black folk are reclaiming it not from bigoted white folk, but from our ancestors who sadly deem their blackness as a badge of inferiority, which I think is interesting. Mm. This motherfucker's been. He, he we got a quote from him later on, um, but uh, this takes us to, uh, you know, the, the hip hop in a while ago, you know, almost shit at this point, over a decade ago, Nas, uh, the rapper, ran into some controversy with his now awesome, and in, in my personal opinion, it's like one of, you know, a standout disc in his discography, which is his untitled album in 2008. Well, it had like a little controversy because he originally wanted to name it Nigger. Yeah. And I mean, 
he went on a campaign to name this shit. Exactly. Like, my next album is going to be called, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you had like a year or however long building up of just knowing that that was going to be the name of his next album. And it's like the closer that it got to when it was supposed to come out, the more heated and debated of a topic it became. He ended up not naming it that and decided to go with Untitled for the project because he started having problems with Walmart saying that they weren't going to sell it and, you know, other retailers, which is a whole other funny thing in itself because it's like, think of a time in music where whether or not Walmart sold your CD was, <laughs> would determine make or whether... Make break. Yeah, make or break. <laughs> make or break. Like, this is before the inter internet was really, like, the the main means of consuming music and shit. But anyway, anyway he ended up changing it and... uh some of his thoughts on the matter. He said, it's all about the intent and what you mean, how it's coming off and the reasons why you're saying it, you know? If its intent is angry and you're being ignorant, being mean-spirited, saying that word, it means the worst. If you're just a couple black guys in the street corner, doesn't mean it's a great thing, but it's not that they're trying to harm each other. I mean, I think he's kind of contradicting himself a little bit. He talks about the intent and then also how it's coming off and how they both matter. So I kind of just feel like he's kind of a little bit confused in this quote. Get a little hung up on the semantics. But I mean, I understand like getting pressure. I mean, there's, there's a constant battle between like the younger generations and like the elders, I think in the black community, there's a special relationship and a special reverence for our elders. And so I, I can see where he's coming from with like not liking the heat that he's getting when he's like a... He's a very skilled artist and wanting to bring attention to like his artistry rather than like a controversy surrounding a word with, with which he has labeled his music. Brooklyn Assemblyman Hakeem Jeffries suggested that New York's comptroller withdraw $84 million from the state pension fund that has been invested into Universal, the parent company of Vivendi, uh, which put out the album if the title wasn't changed. Damn. So chairman of Death Jam at the time, L.A. Reid, stated that the label fully backed Nas and his decision on naming his album. And Nas also received support from Ice Cube, Jay-Z, Bishop Lamont, Alicia Keys, Adlo Cool J, Rev Run, Common, Akon, Meth Men, Lupe Fiasco, David Banner, Jizza, and Melly Moe. And Sesame Seed Bud. And, a, and the, kitchen, <laughs> in the kitchen fucking sink. So pretty much all of hip-hop was behind him in addition to the head of his uh, label. Uh, Common said, uh, Nas is always bringing something new. Oh, man. I'm, I've been smoking too much to do my Common voice. I can't go down the octaves. <clears throat> Nas has always been doing... <laughs> oh, my God. What was... Oh. <laughs> Nas has always been... Uh, Common said, Nas has always been bringing something new, bringing something for us to think about. He's one of the best ever. If it wasn't for Nas, a lot of cats, including myself, wouldn't be rhyming the way they do. So, I mean, I know the title is something behind what he's doing. He's making statements. That's something we need in hip-hop. Last Poets did it. Gil Scott Heron did it. Marvin Gaye did it. We got to keep making statements. What is the statement? Like, what is the point? Well, that's what... This is... We talked about this, which is like... Don't give every... Not everybody had, like, some huge master plan about shit. You know what I'm saying? I think if Nas were... If Nas were a different rapper other than Nas, I think he would have just done it to be provocative, which there's nothing wrong with. I make music to try to be provocative, too. Do it. You know what I'm saying? But I think because of the weight of being Nas, the people might have felt that there had to be some 
deep meaning and reason for why he did it. Yeah. He did get criticism from 50 Cent, Will Smith, of course. Uh, Al Sharpton, Bill O'Reilly, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Jesse Jackson, and as we said before, the NAACP wasn't too happy about this either. In fact, uh, Al Sharpton said, we're in an age where they're hanging nooses. They're locking our kids up in Gina and Florida. We do not need to be degrading ourselves. We get degraded enough. I think we need artists to lift us up, not knock us down. And 50 Cent. <laughs> this is pretty fucking... <laughs> what you said. It's pretty no, fucking this brutal. This is nonsense, man. That's stupid. a stupid name. Doesn't make any sense. Why would you name it that? <laughs> Bring us straight to it. <laughs> None of the explanations really seem to make sense to me. Yeah. And I don't think it made that much sense to him either, which is why he, like, quickly was like, uh, you know what? I'm fine with a different title. Ain't worth putting up the fight over. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Let's dig into our music discussion for today. So, when it comes to the the N-word used in music, for the music discussion, pretty much it comes down to a lot of rap songs use the N-word. That's the end. All right, everybody. See you next week. I'm just joking. So, one of the earliest recordings of the use of the word in a rap song, the rapper Scooby D and his song Scooby Rap. Here's the passage. And so 
in this context, it is sort of used pejoratively among African Americans. That in the next line, he's like, "Stay back, sucker, sucker, stay back." I mean, it's still in that context. It's still kind of uh, dude or fellowish. I show these dudes sure, where sure. to go. You yeah, know yeah. that. I think a better example of what you're talking about is going to be on the next song that we got, which is Niggas and Flies by Scarface. Let's check this out. So he's kind of like lobbying critiques at niggas, generally. Damn. This is some pretty scathing indictments yeah. of establishment black people. It really is. Yeah, you love I, to see it. That song is actually on the soundtrack to the movie Dead Presidents by the Hughes Brothers. What do you feel about his use of the word nigga in that context of like making that indictment? It constructs the sense of familiarity like I know you, bitch. Yeah. It's like true. I might not have never met Clarence Thomas in my life. But if I'm gonna call him a nigga, it's because like I am. I'm asserting that I have this like this intimate knowledge, knowledge of you. Of who he is. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I know. I know who you are. I know who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a good point. That's a good point. So the next joint we got is the track "Niggas for Life" by N.W.A. Yeah. This song is literally about the topic of why do they use the word "nigga" so much in their rap music. A lot of it's tongue in cheek. I get the impression the song is done more for laughs than anything. But, you know, some of it is definitely coming from the heart as far as they're concerned. Let's check this out. Why do I call myself a nigga, you ask me? Because police always want to harass me. Every time that I'm rolling, they swear up and down that the car is stolen. Make me get face down. First, I want to take note of the intro where you hear, like, the cascade of vocals of different black and white people disapproving of how often they use the word in their music and shit. And then you have that one like voice in the distance of like a racist white dude going, fuck the niggers! Right before the song starts? That's some shit. I think it's an interesting indictment of like the situation that it's like no wonder I self-identify by this pejorative if you look at everything that's happening around me. True. Talking about, I'm not trying to flip burgers. I'm not trying to get shot robbing a liquor store. All these like uh, these bleak circumstances around someone. It's like, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I call myself a nigga? You got to keep in mind when N.W.A. made that song, like adults weren't fucking with them. You know what I mean? Like older black people weren't cool with why do I call myself a nigga? They were literally steamrolling records in the streets on like on in protest to like stuff like this coming out and shit like that. So. Some of it is reactionary, too, to, like, being young men that suddenly find themselves famous and making money, making the music that they're making, and then having this strong reaction from the elders in your community for a specific word, like, oh, something's wrong with you because you're using this word in your music, this word, as opposed to all the other things that you could be doing. Yeah. This word. This is where you draw on the line. Okay. (laughs) Um, Next, we have the title song. Off of Nas's now untitled album. This is N I double G E R off the album Untitled. They say we N I double G E R. We are much more, but still we choose to ignore the obvious. We are the slave and Okay, first off, I just want to say the song's fucking dope, regardless of whatever Bangs, else. Bangs, his <laughs> fucking flow, Yo, the, the imagery. The second verse, uh, guys, I. I I'm going to start giving, like, more, like, strong opinions about music, but the second verse of this song is some of Nas's best work. Point blank period, he goes off. The imagery, talking about the tinfoil and the antennas, 
dyeing your hair with the Kool-Aid. I dyed my hair with Kool-Aid when I was little, too. Did you? Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but I think, I mean, I, in the framing, I guess this gives me, it's funny that he went to war with the NAACP over the title of this album, given that he is sort of framing it like they call us yeah. this, but we're so much more. It's reaction. I mean, I, f- I feel like... Yeah. I feel like on both sides, I feel like uh, I don't know how much he really, really was thinking about explain at least at the very least explaining the title before the controversy. But um, I think that if a lot of the people who reacted badly to it had actually listened to the album first, that I could have helped in like coming up with an opinion about the shit. You know, if you hear the shit first, I don't know. That's just yeah, yeah. I think this was the first song too, so yeah. <laughs> it, it would have kind of put shit in a little bit framing if you had just like given the album like a minute long listen. Yeah, release the <laughs> single. As soon as you put the name of the album out, people would be like, oh. <laughs> uh. So I originally had Jay Z's "The Story of OJ" on here, but then I was kind of going to take it off because I was thinking, man, all he does is say the word nigga over and over again, but there's not really any sort of context or insight that we can really get from the usage of it. But um, A, that's not true the more I thought about it. But second, the opening line of the song uh, made me reference that undefeated article that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Let's check out this. Still nigga. OJ like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay, house nigga, don't fuck with me. I'm a feel Right, so going back to Brando Starkey's article, which, by the way, was titled, If You Truly Knew What the N-Word Meant to Our Ancestors, You'd Never Use It. But he's got this passage in there that relates to this line. So he said, Perhaps more depressing, ironically, was that the circumstances sometimes led them to opt against calling a black person a nigger. William Porter stated that some of the Tennessee niggers were called free niggers, there was a colored man in Polanski, Tennessee, who owned slaves, a black man who kept others in bondage. He's a colored man, yet those who he kept in bondage were niggers. I instantly thought of the moment from OJ Made in America documentary when a white woman saw black people talking to OJ and she uttered, look at those niggers sitting with OJ. Simpson delights in hearing this because she, quote, knew I wasn't black. She saw me as OJ. Porter's outlook matched that of both the racist white woman and the unspeakably racially deranged OJ. I wonder if uh, Jay-Z was making a reference specifically to that incident in that documentary or if that was just some other known thing about OJ that he was referencing. And the last song is by a Long Island, New York rapper named All One. This song is called Rush Hour 98. And what makes this really cool is... All One's a white guy, and this song is about the first time that he saw the movie Rush Hour back when he was a kid, and he was geeking off of the line where uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker were like, what's up, my nigga? What's up, my nigga? And yeah. he recalls going to school the next day and repeating it with his friends and a black kid hearing it and the incident that ensued afterwards. It's a really interesting way to... to Talk about approach the subject matter. Asking if I had said some crass expletive, I'd like to say sorry for ingenuous. I just asked if she could help to clarify or help me understand the crime that I was called outside for. Meanwhile, he just sobbed and cried more. He repeated the story of the rush hour line, of course, the one with the end mystery. I still didn't get it, so I said this and I timidly admitted that I'd mimicked indiscriminately and no one else had exhibited misery. That's when they explained the significance to me. 
felt like a troglodyte. Honest, I apologize, which moderately mollified his melancholy, solemn eyes. Walked inside, locked my eyes on the hard tile floor. Shocked, arrived with sick and wonder how my soft and bright tongue could turn on me and do so much hurt with one word. And with the bane of ignorance, I tainted that little kid. Our exchange gave him his first racist experience. And I wondered decades later how it resonates across the years he's lived. God damn. <laughs> What a narrative. You, know, you love a good narrative rap, you yeah. know? There's so few and far between. And when they're well done, they're well fucking well done. done. I, I love that. Like, I love how he's he's definitely mastered his, like, spoken word sort of style. Very you know, strong sort of, coffee house, like, spoken word night vibes. Yeah, for real. Like, yeah. he, yeah. He he should be doing like Woodstock or some shit. <laughs> but um, what do you, what do you like? What do you? How do you? Uh, what's your reaction to the subject matter of the song, the story? I was like, that kid. No, I totally understand. Yeah, the, the racial insensitivity of people that for that are too young to understand the experiences of people who are unlike them can imagine feeling a different way about something than they do because their just emotional maturity is not. They're twelve. Yeah, you know they're fucking twelve. Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate, I guess, to have had our main experiences with that word have been when we were really young and it kind of being in the, you know, cruel ignorance of children as opposed to how some other people deal it. I mean, Ahmad Aubrey got called a nigger right after he got shot when he was laying on the ground bleeding. So perspective on everything. All right. So that's all um, we got for this week. Yeah, uh, we got to close it off with the rapping like we always do, right? Yeah. Let's get a beat going. Check, check. Yeah. We waiting on reparations. We waiting on reparations. Dope, dope. Yeah. Yeah. Check it. Now you don't wanna be my nemesis This is what the premise is If you white, don't say the n-word up in my premises I would hate to whip your fucking ass like I'm the Genesis Sorry, but I'm just old-fashioned like the Genesis If you wanna say it, well, you know there's a prerequisite Make sure that your skin is black and, homie, you won't catch a brick Stone to the forehead, now, homie, we don't ever miss When my niggas break your windshield, it's hard to get it fixed And it ain't so unique So what's your motive be? Trump got white folks saying nigga before they go to sleep They want to arrest me Because my skin dark is Nestle, and I'm short like Pesci. I can't help it, I'm a nerd till I'm dead. I'm screaming at white folks like I heard what you said. You niggas is too comfortable, be nervous instead. I'm making sure that you know that it's a word to regret. I'm running out of words in my head. I'm waiting for you, you gonna I'm start. Okay, let me, give me a second, let me a second. No, I got this. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Fuck. Uh, probably. Uh, if you say nigga around me, we about to be illin'. Motherfucker, don't care if you army or civilians. About to come all up in your village and pillage. Motherfuckers know that I be spillin' mad words cause I got a crazy vocabulary. And if you don't like it, consult your dictionary. Or go and tell the god fairy, godmother, that you need another book cover on the textbook because I'm dropping knowledge. Motherfuckers know that I got it in my pocket. Spittin' it all the time like it's all locked up in my locket. I look at it so fondly. Motherfuckers know that I be challenging these people to a comedy. Hey, yeah, don't get all, all of right. it. I'm dope, nice. I'm Lingo Franco. And we are waiting on reparations. Hurry up. Hurry up. God damn it. Good night. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer, and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great-looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection, and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.